Good morning, Mr. Harvey. How are you doing this morning? I'm doing well, Mr. Davis. Man, your hat, coach. your hat is wonderful this morning, by the way. I wish you all could see it. It's the old newsboys look. Newsboys <laughs> look. like the, Out here to deliver your paper. Deliver your, your mail, <laughs> so to speak. Man, uh, which is, it's, you know what's crazy, and this is a, totally a tangent, is that that does that that doesn't even exist anymore. People don't even do that. I know. It's wild. The kids think I look like a golfer. So I guess they still <laughs> understand what golf is. Mm. But I, I think newspapers going uh, going the way of well, it's not going to be around much longer. I hope I hope it sticks around. But yeah, online. yeah. I, I mean, I think about the movies I'd watch as a kid, mm-hmm. the newsboy on his bike, and. Mm-hmm. That industry, that was the word I was looking for this morning. The industry doesn't even exist. I mean, there's a guy with a in a truck, I guess, or a lady. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, just not around anymore. Oh, yeah. Well, and I think they've evolved and emerged, and we now have that kind of online media. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and a lot of them have done that well. Even locally, I've been impressed. But mm. Yeah, free shout-out to my bucket. Mm-hmm. I, I really enjoy their stuff. We I subscribe to their online news stuff because i think they need as much help as they can get oh yeah i bought canada and west virginia news you got a lot of places out there really really carrying the torch mm-hmm. to the new generation yeah no doubt so coach we had we've been on the podcast before but we talk strength and conditioning mainly oh yeah so i would love to talk about your role here at the school so go ahead and get into that and we'll just we'll dive in dive and go into it absolutely and it has been a minute since we talked about strength and conditioning it we has just, been i don't even know if we had met in person we had not yet we've certainly had a lot of shared experiences in the past two years now yes we have yes <laughs> um, yes what i do here at the school i'm our social emotional learning specialist um, and it's a position i'm really thankful to have it's really unique um i give a lot of props to eddie vincent uh, for creating this spot. Um, but what I get to do, and we'll talk certainly about what that looks like as we go along. I do a lot of work with students and in individual sessions, group sessions, trying to help them, you know, be able not only to refocus here in the school setting, but also trying to get to a place where to me, I think they're able to succeed more in life and enjoy mm. their life. And then what we're trying to do now is work towards making social emotional learning just a general part of school. Because what we know, the five core uh, competencies of social emotional learning, you know, you look at your stuff like relationship skills, self-awareness, social awareness, those kinds of modes. Those are the things that you need to be successful in a workplace. And a lot of our students struggle with that, right? Yeah. You know, think about the self-management that our students exhibit, right? Mm -hmm. When stress comes, a lot of times we see folks fold. And I don't want to say that it's more or less than it was in the past. Right. But I definitely think these are skills we want to teach our kids. Yeah, I, I was actually looking. Our last, our first podcast was uh, May nineteenth, two thousand twenty-one. So it's been a. Well, minute. It was my birthday. What do you know? Been a minute ago. That's <laughs> awesome. Yeah. Um, but like you said, I don't. I love what you just said. You don't know if it's more or less than the pat than the past. But mm-hmm. I think what's great is that we're more aware 
that our students need those skills now. Mm. Uh, when I was in school, uh, there was no really talk of that. It was, here's your academic piece. Uh, and then if you acted inappropriately or you didn't know how to act socially, it was, you just kind of, you just kind of written off. Mm -hmm. There was no coaching, so to speak, mm -hmm. to help somebody gain those skills. And I think there's this interesting balance there, right? Where I think sometimes in today's world, we've moved a little bit to a place that maybe can have some negative uh, effects where maybe sometimes we don't always give consequence when it's needed. Mm -hmm. uh, I think it's really important for us to consider like back then, I think our biggest deficiency was that we didn't have people talk about their struggles, talk about how they feel. We There was much more of this sort of uh, machismo. OK, I'm going to go inward and I'm just going to shell up. I'm not going to talk about it. Mm -hmm. That's a struggle. I think we also then at the other poll, it's like, OK, you're going to talk about things, but you're all you know, we're going to just you're going to learn perpetually and there's no consequence. Mm -hmm. um, and I think mm -hmm. it's important for us not to lose sight when we talk about social emotional learning. I don't mean coddling kids. Mm -hmm. There's a time when we care for and we sure. show that through. OK, we're going to love. We're going to be kind and we're going to. But there's also tough love. Mm -hmm. And I think uh, a really successful social emotional learning program is built around that pr principle of all right sometimes you mess up sometimes you make mistakes here's how we're going to learn from that because again we're building skills to help students succeed in mm -hmm. the long term to be employable mm -hmm. and to enjoy their lives yeah that's a that's a great point there so it's a balance between well, we're always here to help you, mm -hmm. but there's also a balance between your like the the role like your role, and then transitioning to when does that be getting to my ballpark mm -hmm. as a principal of mm -hmm. disciplinary action? Yeah, uh, and that's always a fine line, mm -hmm. and there's a matrix behind me that tells me what I can do. But <laughs> I just went to a training, and the state at the state level said, "What well, you have more flexibility than that, even." Mm -hmm. And I remember listening to a. The Dodgers County principal said something at one of our trainings. This was in the winter. He said, I've never seen ISS change somebody's behavior or OSS. He said, we're looking to change behavior. Now, obviously, if that behavior meets a threshold, mm -hmm. you have to, to, for the sake of your school and the order of your school uh, and the, the students, have some sort of discipline. But I would love your thoughts on what, where is that line? What is that? How do we bring those together because I that's to me as a principal that's one of the hardest things in this role now is okay we're trying to help you like what but how much discipline is needed you know on paper so to speak to to meet the quota hmm. right to this is what this is what needs to be done but like how do like in your professional view like how does that work like wh when do we get to like school discipline versus hey let's get you some help some treatment some some something of that nature. Yeah, so I think fortunately for me, you know, in my position, discipline for a school counselor, which is I view myself really as a school counselor who gets right. to focus a lot on mental health. Sure. Um, discipline's not a part of that role. When I look at 
working with students. And when I look at when that line gets crossed, I think it's important for kids to understand, right? Like just because you have somebody in the school that's going to give you unconditional positive regard, that's, you know, not a disciplinary figure doesn't mean when you cross that line mm -hmm. that there's not still a consequence. Mm -hmm. And I think what um, you mentioned the Dodgers principal saying that ISS maybe doesn't, and I would agree that the impact that it has is not typically going to change behaviors. There's a lot of recidivism that we see certainly when it comes to the behaviors mm -hmm. in the school setting, but I think what we in an ideal world would do mm -hmm. is that consequences would probably match the kid much closer. We have kids who yeah. don't care about right. ISS. I, I believe genuinely that A, kids need somebody who doesn't deliver consequences who they feel like they can open up to because it's harder sure. to open up when you know you're in that position where you know somebody's delivered consequences, maybe they're going to deliver a consequence mm -hmm. if I say something. Mm -hmm. But there's also this need for kids to learn if I do A, then B happens. Mm -hmm. And one of the uh, key components of my training was uh, that we deliver consequences that fit what's occurred. Mm -hmm. I don't want to say you know, punishment fits the crime, but, but that idea like, okay, if I did A, then B is a natural consequence of something that mm -hmm. can happen. And and trying to teach kids, you know, I think ISS sometimes is such a blanket that maybe doesn't necessarily have much to do with the consequence. Sometimes our kids want to get out of class anyways. Mm -hmm. right? I've heard that this year, yeah, for yeah. sure. And so, like, you know, for them, you know, I, hear, I hear kids say, I want to go to ISS, right? Or mm -hmm. I don't want to be in the classroom. And so, to me, the way that line works, like, I'm here and I'm happy to help kids work through mm -hmm. some of the things that might be causing the misbehavior. And I think everybody can blow up, everybody can have something that occurs it's maybe just a bad day mm -hmm. but i think overall if we look at a pattern of behavior that's consistently occurring sometimes kids need that consequence to realize they need to change and maybe realize they need some help mm -hmm. yeah like you said i think these are fit a student and i know mm -hmm. we can't personalize every consequence in the school mm -hmm. system uh, but if you have a student saying Thank you. you know, I want to go. I want to go out of school suspension because it's a vacation. I mean, probably should rethink that a little bit. How yes. do we? How do we? Okay. Well, we want them to be in school, to be learning, to enjoy school, order creative ways. And that was one of the great things at the conference. I we just we went to me and Mike went to mm -hmm. uh, was it's okay to be creative. It's okay to. Follow policy, follow procedure, but like a position like yours that mm -hmm. you came into, you know, I don't, I don't know of any other school system around here that has a, an SEL. Mm -hmm. You know, to be able to try to meet our students' needs in 2023, because the world is changing and mm -hmm. students' home lives are changing and the society is changing, and it's trying to meet the needs of real people, mm -hmm. not. I, I, love, I hate this when people say, well, back when I was in school, and that could have been 50 years ago, right. <laughs> you know, and, right. you, and you think to yourself, well, a lot has changed in 50 years. Mm -hmm. uh, so, yeah, that's just one of those things where I just, I, I love your position. I love how it's, 
you're we're meeting the needs of students right here right now mm -hmm. and i think it's really especially when we look at where we sit mm -hmm. right we look at just the the demographics of our community mm -hmm. right we know that we're kind of low when we consider socioeconomic status mm -hmm. um we know that um we have a lot of growth that we can do from an academic standpoint. Mm -hmm. I really, we have a tool this year that's been really helpful. It's called Satchel Pulse, and it, mm -hmm. it tiers our students based upon social emotional data that we gather. And I think it, it was not shocking to me, but I think it was shocking for a lot of folks in our building. If they mm -hmm. look at our overall data, about 40, 45% of our kids are in tier two mm. based on that. And I, I read, I redid basically the standards. Anybody who's mm. scored a five or below on the scale of one to 10, I said, mm. that's tier three. That's okay. a high level need. Mm. About 25% of our students. Mm. Right. And that's their self-assessment mm. and a, an advisory teacher mm. also assessing and looking at the lowest scores of those. It helps mm. avoid gaming the system. But what I see in our school systems today and why I think a position like this or really long term empowering school counselors to do more of this work. Mm -hmm. Is so important is because it's not just the kids who are perpetually in trouble who are missing class who are struggling with that. That need this it's kids who are academically successful. You'd be surprised how many mm. tier one academic kids who take Jesus. a gazillion AP classes <laughs> do not feel like they're doing well when it comes to stress management, when it comes to their relationship skills, mm. right? And these are kids, you see them walk through the door, they mm. seem like they're doing great. Mm. But, you know, I was one of those kids in high school, certainly, who nobody would have thought, man, this guy's struggling. Mm -hmm. And yet I was. That was a lot of what motivated me to go into this work because I knew that a school counselor with the training they have in mental health could really help to proactively um, work with some of those students mm -hmm. and maybe help them at the very least get a chance to get some of that off of their chest and at the most maybe process through some of it. Mm -hmm. That goes back to the point we made earlier. I don't think that students are any different from the time that you and I went to high school, even before then. I just think it's been brought to the light, to use a phrase. Uh, these needs, right? We have these these tools like Satchel Pulse that get down into what are their their social emotional needs, and it helps us to it allows us to help them. Whereas in the past, it was Oh, that kid has good grades. He looks like he's doing okay. Let's ah, he's fine. Mm -hmm. When really there's all kinds of stuff under the surface that needed to be worked on, to be helped with. And uh, I that's one reason I like this job is to be able to get into some of that as well. Cause students come in here and they start opening up about this to go on my life. This is what what's happening. Uh, Cause kids aren't just test scores, right? No, you know, no. kids are not just test scores well, and, and, and data. And in a school, it's so easy for us to look 
away from the kid that has successful test scores and a successful GPA because that's what we get graded on as a school by the state, right? right. When they look at things, they're going to say, okay, test scores are high, GPA is high, so we don't want to mess with the kid that's out here succeeding. Right. But right. my experience in four and a half years now, I've worked at Philip Barber, mm-hmm. uh, spent a year over in Virginia at a very high achieving, much different like mm-hmm. school setting, and then now here, my experience has very much been that sometimes those kids are struggling just as much as anybody else. Mm-hmm. And it's in part, I think they have this successful outward appearance, but they've developed in so doing sometimes unhealthy beliefs, unhealthy you know, ways to approach things. Mm-hmm. Um, that maybe have helped them on that path towards success, like mm-hmm. um, you know, certainly I know a lot of the issues with kids in that population is not being able to say no. Right. Like they don't know how to draw their own boundaries right. and say, okay, I'm not going to help with this for student council or this for honor society mm-hmm. because I got so much on my plate. Mm-hmm. And that can become destructive later in life. And then for us as a school right now, though, it's easy for us to say, oh, okay, you want to help with this too, please. Go on, right? Right. It's yeah. gonna help us out. Right. Right. So, yeah, draw boundaries. Mm-hmm. How to manage anxiety? Yes, uh, that's a big one. Because they're a high achiever, they probably have a lot of anxiety mm-hmm. with how's my test scores, how am I doing in sports, how am I doing my social life? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I can speak from experience on that one. Uh, mm-hmm. You know how to how to manage all those things. That can be tough. I mean, we think about school's hard for the kids at the lower end of whatever thing, thing you're measuring. But even the kids that your AP kids, like you were saying, their stressors there, they, they just hide it better, like you were saying. Right. Easier to hide. I think about the polls sort of of what I do. So I worked this fall with a couple of groups that we led on, that I led on stress uh, management. Mm-hmm. Uh, one of them I co-led with our school psych intern, Adrian Creel, who's wonderful. Um in those groups, one of the biggest things we focused on was that, you know, there we had some very high achieving students and we had some students who struggle. Mm-hmm. And I think across the board, we had the consistent need for approval. And so that was something mm-hmm. um, that we addressed. I, I come from a cognitive behavioral approach. And so talking about being able to change your thinking, one of the things I love about cognitive behavioral is that it puts the ball in the student or Mm. the client, however you want to look at its court, Mm. um, because you have some autonomy over how you feel, Mm. if you can change your thoughts. So that's one end. And then the other end of the spectrum, a lot of what I do, and you know this because you see some of it is so crisis oriented. Mm. When we look at Mm. tier three students, or even sometimes tier one and tier two, but the the amount of crisis Mm. that comes through the door. Mm-hmm. Um, that is one thing that I think I think we pay more mind to it, and I think that's part of why we see more of the crisis. Mm-hmm. I wonder, I don't know for sure. I wonder if it's maybe more like when we talk about suicidal thoughts, for example, mm-hmm. you know, I think there is a lot, and then we look at the impact of things like the opioid epidemic and so on. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, maybe trickling down. There's a lot of crisis in ways that really seem to surprise folks who've been in the business for a long time. Mm. 
And again, I think we open the door more for people to come forward with those issues. Mm -hmm. But I still wonder a little bit if maybe that's not increased in some ways. Yeah, I, I don't think that we have even. We've gotten we haven't even gotten to the midway point of the opioid of the effect of the opioid mm -hmm. crisis. I mean, you look at family structure and family breakdown and incarceration and just a cycle of what has happened in our students lives with May, may not, maybe not directly, maybe it's not a direct thing that connects to opioids, but maybe it's that culture, mm -hmm. right, of drugs, of crime, of violence, and then that finds its way in our students' lives, right. and they have to learn how to deal with all that. Uh, you know, I don't want to make assumptions, but I think it's been interesting as I've started my career, some of the psychological diagnoses that I've seen students come through our doors with. Sometimes it's things that traditionally aren't diagnosed at this oh, level, right? Really? And, huh. and I don't, I don't want to make assumptions about the root cause behind that, but I think that's something that'll be really interesting in future years as we study mm -hmm. the long-term impacts of mm -hmm. that opioid usage being, you know, at such a high level. Mm -hmm. I'm sure that's a hard thing to study, but I'd be very curious to see, like, does that drive? sort of mm -hmm. uh, a rise in an early onset, mm -hmm. you know, psychological disorders, um, mm -hmm. you know, which certainly impacts, you know, so much for that kid mm -hmm. and the educational environment as a whole. Mm -hmm. Yeah, people, people aren't volunteering their family data about what's <laughs> going on behind closed no, doors, I'm sure. Yeah. Uh, we're not going to talk about, yeah. uh, about that. Uh, but the yeah. correlational, you know, maybe we can see like, okay, maybe this state is hit hard by this, and maybe we notice mm -hmm. a long-term rise. But right, yeah, yeah. And I love. I didn't grow up here in West Virginia, but I love the state and mm -hmm. the people, and the the challenges we have here are true challenges. Mm -hmm. But there's so many good people here that are trying to help, yeah. and and we were hit with the. With numerous things here, you know, the, the economy was mainly coal based, you know, and that collapsed a while ago. And you're looking at families who want to find a way to make a, a living. And then some, sometimes it's very difficult, as we see, you know, with kids with, with poverty and rural poverty is something I did not understand until I moved here. Yeah, I thought, oh, they're just poor. No, man, urban poverty and rural poverty could not be more different. Mm -hmm. uh, at least if, if you're poor, and you're in a city. You can get on a bus. You can go to McDonald's. You can, whatever. Rural poverty. Mm, I mean, you're. Yeah. What do you do? You're in your your trailer or house you're or out there because you're way out there, and yeah. the access to anything is very very limited. Right. You know, one thing that I think really surprises folks when I talk to people out of state about working in West Virginia. And we think about everything that comes with West Virginia culture. I think sometimes we look at, um, you know, that that idea of of toughness, and even some people project in this idea that maybe there's this toxic masculinity where folks, and there is, where folks are going to struggle with okay, opening up. But I've been really amazed at how willing people are to open up 
in the state, mm -hmm. how willing families are mm -hmm. to help their students when it comes to mental health. And that's one thing that, that I'm very proud of in West Virginia is that there aren't a lot of states where a position like this would be possible in the way mm -hmm. that it's been done. And I think, you know, you look at places like Upshur County, West Virginia, where there is a huge push. I guess we don't have as many mental health resources available as other states. Mm -hmm. When we talk about, I think a statistic I saw was like one counselor, clinical mental health counselor for every 700 some residents, whereas other states like the average mm -hmm. is like one to 400 or something. Wow. But mm -hmm. there's a push mm -hmm. to change that. The state isn't running from that problem. You look at Again, positions like mine, you look at our partnership with community care, mm -hmm. you look at what community care and Aetna are doing with West Virginia Wesleyan mm -hmm. and their partnership to start a another our third our state's third clinical mental health counseling program mm -hmm. where community care is saying we're going to partner with you and we're going to take your graduates on so that we can lower that ratio. Wow. Right. Yeah, yeah that's good. Like this state through its families, through its organizations, has shown me consistently over the past few years that it is really willing to move towards providing more mental health resources mm. and it's willing to have some of those conversations there's ways that it stymies itself sometimes mm -hmm. when it comes to that mm -hmm. but i really appreciate that about us mm. yeah i that's awesome i'm in, in our i'm with me and me and Mike went to Mike being Coach Tonato. Mm -hmm. Shout out to Coach Tonato on indeed, the podcast. Indeed, uh, went to that training. That was very apparent, even at the state level. The State Department of Education very aware uh, that it's a need, mm -hmm. and that we're but we are willing at the state level and at local level to uh, to meet that challenge. To try to come up with good solutions. Yes, and that's that's really, really, um, really positive. It, it definitely inspires me. Oh yeah, I think one of our next big steps as a state, when we think about school and how we address that need, is to realize that at the high school level in particular, middle and elementary school, I don't think this is nearly as much of a problem, because at the high school level, I think we sometimes forget that school counselors are trained mental health professionals, mm. right? Like the work that I'm doing is work that I think they can do, right? There's other things I know at high school that enter the picture. Um, one thing I know I was very thankful for when I started my career as an intern at Philip Barber was um, Ron Keener really was very, very open to me moving into that space and doing this work like mm -hmm. and saying okay like we're going to empower you to go out here and have these you know brief individual sessions with kids where they have the chance mm -hmm. to talk about these things and you can help them process mm -hmm. and the amount of crisis that we saw the amount of tier one academic kids who were struggling with things that i would see even in that short semester mm -hmm. it was very much needed and I think very much appreciated in that community and, and I see the same need here mm -hmm. um, I think I see it throughout and it's a conundrum because you have 
all these other things that, like I said, come into play in high school. Mm. To me, from a counselor's perspective, the answer to how we can really provide some of these services is empowering school counselors to do group counseling because mm. it's more efficient. Mm -hmm. I'm sitting down with six or eight kids right. with a shared need at once. Right. For those kids, they get to hear not only from an adult, but from their peers, mm -hmm. um, you know, and then, mm -hmm. you know, we can really, you know, that can be college career focused. It can be stress focused, anxiety. There's all mm -hmm. different ways to approach that. Mm -hmm. um, but that's been my big evolution personally. And, mm -hmm. and that's where I think high school can really dive into that because that's going to help with some of the kids who maybe, maybe they don't need a referral to mm -hmm. a community care or an outside agency, but they might still benefit mm -hmm. from some of that social emotional discussion. Mm -hmm. Yeah, very good. Yeah, like group counseling, giving them tools mm -hmm. to try to help themselves. Maybe some psychotherapy, a little bit of that. Dive into those fears and how well, do we? That's not what we technically say, but right, but yeah. the principles I right, think the principles, are yeah. are you know something that we because again when you look at your school counselors like we all took theories courses in college so like we're mm -hmm. we're versed in you know or should be versed in cognitive behavioral right. and you know you look at like old school theories like Adlerian some folks know new school things but. We're not sitting down and doing therapy because we don't have an hour for every kid, right. but right. we are like, that's, that's the beauty of group. I can spend 45 minutes with these kids, you know, arrange it in a way that they don't miss in a really disruptive, mm -hmm. um, you know, that's been a nice thing with alternating block and mm -hmm. group, right? I'm sitting here and every week they're missing a different class. So for right. four to six weeks, they barely miss anything. Right. Um, right. So yeah, it's, it's really I've been blessed to see how that's worked this year with our kids to have successful experiences and, and to have data that then with Satchel, mm -hmm. I can show, hey, look at how these folks have grown over this time. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, and I say psychotherapy. Obviously, we don't have time with the school to do true <laughs> psychotherapy, but getting them to step into what is what their struggle is and then helping them have tools, <clears throat> excuse me, to be able to manage that stress that anxiety mm -hmm. and not run from okay this makes you uncomfortable so therefore i just don't deal with it yeah i deal with it i get I have tools i can manage it and then i step like you said it we grow mm -hmm. and we become yeah one of the better. best things i can ever teach a student is all right i can manage the way that i think and if i can mm -hmm. manage the way that i think a lot of times i'm going to be able to manage how i feel too all right. If I'm and, and what I mean by that, I tell kids I don't believe in positive psychology. Mm. I believe in rational mm -hmm. psychology. Mm -hmm. If something sucks, it sucks. It sucks. Right. All yeah. Right. But again, like this sucks, and I'm gonna shoot myself in the foot and never do anything. Versus, all right, maybe right. I have certain goals that, or, or mm -hmm. you know, I, you know, this sucks, and it's the end of the world. No, this sucks. But it's something that we can get through. Mm -hmm. um, it's going to be awful and terrible, and I'm going to be here to support you through it, but it's not going to be the end of the world. Mm -hmm. You're not going to spontaneously combust right. because you've got to be on a test, right? right. Um, and those are, those are tough conversations. Again, rational, the amount of crisis we deal with, there's a lot of times when I sit down with kids, I'm like, yeah, that is terrible. 
and awful, and I'm sorry you're going through that. And I'm going to hold space for you, and then we're going to see how we move forward because this is not the end of the story. Mm. Um, you know that that to me is it's a real privilege, and that's stuff that can be done in shorter time frames. Right. It's that thought based, that cognitive based mm -hmm. um, intervention. Mm -hmm. As we, we wrap up, I, I love going to your room and reading the DSM-5 from time to time, <laughs> like looking in there and looking at the definition of different uh -huh. uh, disorders and psychological things. That's such an interesting read. Mm -hmm. For somebody who didn't study that at school, I didn't study any of that at school at all. It, it very much is, and I think if we operate in a school space, I mean, it's not a fun read. To you, right. it is. To me, it's it's. But uh, but I think intriguing. I guess it, it is intriguing. Word, and if yeah. we run five hundred fours and IEP meetings, I really think it's something. Those psychological disorders are things that impact mm -hmm. our students' educational mm -hmm. experience. I think being able to have something like that on hand to refer to, just mm -hmm. to say, okay, what the heck does this look like? Right. Right. If somebody's operating in this space with bipolar disorder mm -hmm. you know what the heck does it look like if we have kids with you know because we've seen this where we've had folks diagnosed at a young age with even you know schizophrenic mm -hmm. tendencies things like that sure. and how can we begin as a school to accommodate mm -hmm. um you know some of those things through um i think having that understanding and then certainly also trusting your school psychologists mm -hmm. um background again Ms. Krill has been wonderful for us in her, her internship year. But Fantastic. Coach, thank you for joining us this morning. Absolutely, man. It's, it's always awesome. great to be with you, Coach.